Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ, not through any work of man, but by the grace of God alone. I'm Pastor Will Hunsaker, and today we're going to continue with our brief, very brief, study of Paul's letter to the Galatians. There's no way we can cover all the elements of Paul's letter. There's a lot of information in there. So we're giving you these brief overviews. So we're going to begin with verse 11. Last week, if you recall, we read of Paul's concern that the Galatian churches had fallen prey to the preaching of a different and distorted gospel, one much different than the one he had taught them. He also cautioned them in their drift toward a distorted gospel and how it would not be profitable for them to continue to strive to please men because that's what this distortion of the gospel focused on. It would not be profitable for them to continue in that direction to please men instead of pleasing God. Now, in today's verses, 11 through 24, we enter into a a narrative where Paul gives some background on himself for context, which is very important, and insight into the workings of the gospel message. So let's read Paul's letter to the Galatians, beginning in chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Paul to the Galatians. For I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel which was preached to me is not of human invention. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former way of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then, three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, Cephas being Peter, and stayed with him for 15 days. And I did not see another one of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which are in Christ, but they only kept hearing the man who once persecuted us, is now preaching the faith, which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. So you can see there at the very end that Paul is emphasizing to them, well, he emphasized many things throughout this, even these verses, but there at the end, he's emphasizing the fact that his life and how the gospel had radically changed him was indirectly affecting other believers to glorify God. Because of what happened to him. That was Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. So we learn first that not any human taught Paul the gospel. He was not, it was not given to him, nor was he anyone's student. Instead, he 
he emphasizes again, as he did in the opening verse of this letter, verse 1, that the gospel had come to him through a direct revelation from Jesus. Now, that's important because he's giving the authority, his authority, how he views it, to the Galatians that this isn't me speaking to you. I'm just a messenger of a message sent from God. So Paul tells us here a little bit about himself, which I said earlier is essential for context in the working of the gospel, how it works, what the gospel actually does in people's lives. So according to Paul, he was a rising star in the category of passionate and dedicated Jews that were fixated on the torture and punishment of Christians. He wanted that whole belief system gone. Yet God, in his infinite wisdom, had predetermined, because he said he, he directed Paul even from his position in the womb. So he predetermined Paul before his birth, how Paul would eventually serve him as a messenger of the gospel to the Gentiles. Gentiles is essentially everyone that is not a Jew. Now, this should offer us great encouragement because Paul's life is an illustration of God's sovereignty, meaning that no matter what Paul had done, God would use Paul as he intended. Paul was not going to change how God had intended to use Paul. Paul was going to serve God at his good pleasure, period. And I say this because many of us look back at our own lives and wonder, how in the world could we possibly be useful to God in any way? Look at what we've done. Look at our lives. How is that going to be useful to God at all? Let alone how we could possibly teach and preach his word. Well, my answer to those people is let me introduce you to the Apostle Paul. And you will see such a, a stark contrast of how somebody was and how the gospel has affected them to be a completely different person with a completely different purpose, one specifically for God. So Paul also gives us some insight into questions concerning the gospel message. One of the most significant ones is how do we receive the gospel? Well, Paul answers that question, which is a common question even for us today. How do people really receive the gospel? Now I'm talking about how you receive the gospel at its very initial point. Well, Paul answers that in verses 15 and 16. He says this, he who set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. So, we receive the gospel through God's good pleasure from a decision he made in eternity past. Now, to be sure, other factors come into play after this, but make no mistake. Receiving the gospel is initiated through a divine gift, a gift no man can purchase. God gives it freely, but for his own good pleasure, God decides who comes to his son. I don't know that we can really put that any other way or discount that fact. Jesus dropped that little gem on us as, as well in the gospel of John. He said, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. That's John chapter 6, verse 44. Pretty tough to ignore that. Now, for many, this is 
difficult to hear because it goes against our fixation with being the captain of our own ship. Yet it is a biblical truth and foundational to the gospel. It puts us in the right perspective. It is God's gospel. He alone decides. We too often grab the message of the gospel and make it our own. Use it throughout our, our preaching, our teaching, our interaction with others, even our own lives. We, we make it, the gospel is very personal. I understand that. But we make it our own. It's not our own. It's God's gospel. He decides who gets it. He formed it. He wrote it. He put it in motion. He decides. Now, these verses also ask, what does God's gospel message do? I mean, it doesn't actually ask that question. It answers it. It rescues, redeems, and restores lives. Look at what it did to Paul. Review verses 13 through 24 and think about what it did for Paul. Verse 13 alone sets the tone. It says, for you have heard of my former way of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Galatians 1 verse 13. Essentially, Paul's goal was to completely annihilate Christianity. But what happened to Paul through the gospel was a radical transformation of his life. We read the aftermath in verse 23. So this once brutal and evil man was now preaching the gospel. Folks, the changes that the gospel makes to all who are drawn to it, and we're talking about thieves, murderers, liars, adulterers, and a never-ending parade of sinners, the changes are very, very radical and significant. But you know, most often, the gospel radically changes those seemingly good people, relatively good people who have conformed to the world and live primarily for themselves. The changes, the radical changes that occur in those lives by the gospel is very, very significant. The process is simple, folks, as revealed to us in Scripture. God calls us by His grace. Then a in a continuance of his grace, we are exposed in some way to the gospel. And through that exposure, he reveals to us his son. It can come in many different ways. We now have a responsibility to respond in faith. Through this faith, he fills us with his good news, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, branding us forever, branding our soul forever to all who believe as being his forever. That's what Paul was saying. The gospel radically transforms lives. The true gospel, the one that comes initially from God's grace alone and saves us through our faith in Jesus alone, to the glory of God alone. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord look upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord's face shine on you and give you peace. Next up on Open Your Bibles, we will move to Paul's second chapter, in his letter to the Galatians with verses 1 
through 10. A very brief overview of Paul's letter. God bless you all. And remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today than it meant then.